Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. What makes a person a good leader? And why does someone choose a career in leadership? The elected leaders in our Native communities take on a lot of responsibility and have to make tough decisions and face constant public criticism. They're at the forefront of government-to-government relations and ongoing battles for tribal and cultural rights. We'll talk with some Native leaders today and learn what inspires them to serve as we continue our Tribal Leader Series after the news. For National Native News, I'm Daniel Montano in for Antonia Gonzalez. Crews are excavating the basement of historic Drexel Hall at the Red Cloud Indian School on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota. A worker previously told officials that he discovered what looked like three graves decades ago, but was told to keep quiet about them at the time. An investigation by Indian Country Today and Reveal found evidence of at least 20 student deaths at the school, at least one unmarked grave, and reports of dehumanizing and brutal treatment of the students. The site is just one of hundreds of schools run by the U.S. government and religious groups beginning in the 1800s. Thousands of Native children were forcibly removed from their homes in an attempt to assimilate them into non-Native culture. The Kansas Historical Society is also moving forward with a ground-penetrating radar survey of nearly 12 acres to search for unmarked graves. The Kansas City Star reports historical records show that four Native American students were reported to have died while attending the school, but the records are likely incomplete and there could be other unreported deaths or unmarked graves at the Shawnee Indian Mission. The Shawnee tribe and others have been requesting an investigation into the school. They say they were not consulted before the current project was announced. They worry the project is moving along too quickly before the tribe's concerns are adequately addressed. The school housed students from several tribes. The U.S. Department of Interior is currently investigating the nation's treatment of Native students at the schools. The department is holding listening sessions about boarding schools in several locations, the most recent this week in South Dakota. A new study by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention finds Native Americans are 30% more likely than their white counterparts to be hospitalized with the flu. The CDC says Native residents also have lower flu vaccination rates. The agency says only 4 in 10 Native Americans are covered by vaccine against the flu, compared to more than half for whites. The study covers the past 13 flu seasons. Blacks and Hispanics are also hospitalized at higher rates than the general population. The University of Oregon announced a new program last week that will cover tuition and fees for tribal members. The Home Flight Scholars Program will immediately allow any students who are members of any federally recognized tribe to receive financial assistance, and it's the latest in a series of efforts to boost higher education enrollment and graduation rates among tribal members. The Oregon Capital Chronicle reports in May, the state's Higher Education Coordinating Commission rolled out a grant that covers the average cost of attendance for all the state's public universities and colleges and 14 of the 18 private colleges in Oregon. Three of the public universities, including the University of Oregon, are going further, announcing they will offer in-state tuition to anyone who is a member of any of the 574 federally recognized tribes, no matter where they live. 
The National Center for Education Statistics says nationwide, Native students enroll at only half the rate of the general population between 18 and 24 years old. Also, a recent study found that 40 percent of Oregon's Native students still struggle to afford college even after receiving conventional financial aid. The University of Oregon says their program aims not only to increase enrollment, but also to combat financial issues and academic difficulties and help students connect with their culture. The program will offer a variety of services, everything from counseling and mentorship to tribal job placement and graduate study opportunities, and it creates a new Native American academic advisor position. Oregon now joins Montana and Michigan in making tuition for tribal members free at public universities, along with several universities choosing to do so independently, including the University of California system, which is the largest in the nation. For National Native News, I'm Daniel Montano. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for the renovated Anchorage Marriott downtown, one block from the Denina Convention Center, close to restaurants and shopping. Reservations are being taken at 800-228-9290. A special rate is available for those attending AFN. Do you know how to help someone having a seizure? Join us for National Epilepsy Awareness Month and become Seizure First Aid certified at epilepsy.com slash first aid or call 1-800-332-1000 today. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. Being a tribal leader is a tough job. They face major decisions about finances, public safety, and the well-being of their citizens. They need vision, dedication, and a thick skin. They also need a good track record, good standing in the community, and a strong tie to culture and language. Even the smallest gestures are subject to public scrutiny, and there are few expressions of gratitude along the way. We have tribal leaders on our show today all the time, and today they're going to talk about policy laws and big issues affecting their communities, but we won't offer them or ask them about their personal experiences often. Today we're continuing our tribal leader series and asking our guests what inspired them to take on past and current leadership positions. So we're not going to talk about the policy, the laws, and the big issues that often impact their communities. This show is going to be a little bit more personal. And you can join us. What makes a good leader in your native community? That's the question. Give us a call if you have an answer. 1-800-996-2848 is our number. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And joining us on the line now in Akiak, Alaska is Chief Mike Williams Sr. He is the tribal chief of the Akiak native community. He is Yupiak. Welcome back to Native America Calling, Chief Williams. Good to be here. Well, Chief Williams, I wanted to start with you because you have been a tribal leader for almost 50 years, half a century. Looking back, did you ever think that you would serve this long in tribal leadership? Yeah, uh, I just uh, really uh, uh, were inspired by um, our elders uh, uh, in uh, terms of uh, uh, keeping our tribal sovereignty intact. 
our uh, protecting our lands and our resources and um, to make sure that um, um, our uh, lives are healthy um, continuously in our community. So that really inspired me. Um, I know that um, I've done other things, um, you know, um, helping um, uh, a lot of people with uh, their emotional, uh, mental uh, problems and uh, and that was my uh, beginning of uh, my service um, to uh, the tribal council. So I tried uh, many things, um, running a municipality, um, a native corporation, a village corporation. And also um, then um, I um, just uh, focused on um, our tribal council and my tribe to um, make sure that um, education Healthcare and uh, other services are um, uh, being provided in in our community. So it has been a interesting process. Uh, Forty fifty years uh, is um, uh, just flew by um, doing that kind of work. It just flew by. And Chief Williams, you you were a much younger man when you when you first took office, and now here we are, a span of fifty years. And I want to ask you, how has your community changed in those nearly half you know that nearly half a half a century? And then, how have you adapted to those changes uh, that your people face? Well, at first, um, I um, uh, attended uh, boarding schools like um, uh, all of the. Um, uh, my generation, and um, I ended up in Chamawa Indian School in Oregon, and um, from there, I um, uh, was uh, one of the last draftees in Vietnam era, and um, and was drafted to U.S. Army, and then served my uh, country there, and then came back, and um, and um, and I know that uh, conditions uh, before I left were, uh, you know, people were hunting, fishing, gathering, and uh, doing um, those um, healthy um, activities uh, to feed our families and to exist in, um, in, in the wilderness. And um, so it was, um, it was something that I caught, um, you know, since we didn't have electricity uh, we didn't have, um, you know, television, phones, and et cetera. So I caught that uh, little piece of our history. And, um, of course, uh, my first language is UPAP, and um, I'm very fluent, and I really appreciated uh, my grandma, grandpas, and uh, uncles, aunts for teaching me um, along the way. Um but uh, I think uh, the, the changes um, were pretty rapid in our uh, community with, um, um, you know, federal government coming in and then um, the Statehood um, Act in 1959 and then um, the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act uh, was a major change in 1971. Uh, I was still in high school, and um, and I think um, uh, those um, uh, changes that I've seen in my community, from um, uh, from um, 
having no running water, no electric, you know, portal electricity and phones. And so, so I think uh, over time um, we've um, um, transformed, try to transform into a healthy community with um, making sure that uh, our homes are um, healthy, uh, the houses are built, um, and then uh, we uh, didn't have, um, you know, potable uh, treated water, running water and sewer. And so we worked hard to do that. And also um, we um, reignited our tribe, our tribal government, and um, and we started getting uh, these grants to um, fix our roads, uh, the uh, IRR roads, and um, and also um, put in um, the electrical systems um, to make sure uh, our communities um, uh, had electricity in the community. And also uh, the phones, um, telephones came in and and we um, made sure. So in that time, we um, uh, I witnessed uh, rapid changes and we invested a lot in improving the conditions in my community. And, um, and it has been um, uh, a challenge, but uh, it has been um, rewarding um, in trying to improve the quality of education, quality of healthcare, and, um, and um, just um, protecting our way of life, our sovereignty, our, um, our hunting and fishing rights, and um, it's an ongoing battle. So it's just uh, looking at um, uh, the changes that I've seen have been rapid, but we need to continue to face those challenges in keeping our languages, our cultures intact, and um, uh, it's an ongoing uh, work by, uh, by the community, you know, Violence Against Women's Act um, mm-hmm. issues, uh, public safety, and we've dealt with um, a lot of those. And so so it's an ongoing work uh, to make sure that uh, our community is healthy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just um, uh, the recent one uh, was uh, uh, our um, uh broadband internet uh, investment uh, that we had um, in our community using satellite. And it was the first ever uh, project um, in rural Alaska to have broadband high-speed internet um, uh, in our community. And we did that um, because of the um, pandemic um, that uh, hit our community and we were on lockdown. And so so we um, invested in um, high-speed internet because uh, the kids do need it. Um, you know, keep their education going mm-hmm. with uh, internet uh, access. So, so a lot of um, uh, changes um, in um, um, in 40 years, 50 years um, have been tremendous. Chief Williams, you describe uh, what sounds like a, a subsistence lifestyle when you first got into tribal leadership, uh, no electricity, uh, television, telephones, things of that nature, and you've just experienced just a, a huge amount of change. And for our listeners that aren't as familiar with Western Alaska, could you describe um, 
where Akiak is located and about the size of the community? Um, we have a population of about 400, and it has been consistent. Um, and many of the uh, communities, uh, we used to go to spring camping, um, summer fish camps, and um, and just um, getting to our camps to uh, gather our foods. And um, um, it is uh, along the Kuskokwim River uh, near Bethel, Alaska, the major hub in uh, our region. And um, and it's uh, inland, uh, about 80 miles from uh, the coast on the Kuskokwim Bay, and um, um, you know we can also uh, almost see Russia from there, but uh, we have some trees <laughs> there. Uh, but, okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> any, anyway, it just uh, really uh, uh, it's uh, 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 we have total of. 56 tribes in the region, no road system. It's just still um, uh, hunting and fishing, gathering uh, society that uh, we cherish still. Mm -hmm. Well, Chief Williams, you could audition for Saturday Night Live with that line you have there about being able to see Russia. I, I really appreciate that. And all of your experience and all of your wisdom and your knowledge that you're sharing with us here today. Um, folks, give us a call if you have a question for Chief Mike Williams Sr. We have other guests on the show as well. We'll be back right after a short break. Our number to call, 1-800-996-2848. Once again, we are listening and learning from tribal leaders today and what inspires them to serve. That number to call, 1-800-996-2848. If you want to ask a question or if you'd like to give a shout-out, feel free. We'll be right back. Some tribes are regaining ownership of ancestral land by way of donations from individuals, conservation groups, or governments. The donations typically don't have the full trust protections of reservation land, but are building a network of tribally controlled properties that are culturally important. We'll talk about the multifaceted process of Native land donations on the next Native America Calling. Local tribal museums are the experts of indigenous histories, cultures, and values with the tools to educate the public. On the first National Tribal Museums Day, on December 3rd, participating museums will offer no-cost admission, special exhibits, and live cultural demonstrations. Learn more at indian-affairs.org slash tribalmuseumsday. The Association on American Indian Affairs supports this program. Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking to tribal leaders about what inspires them to serve their communities. What do you look for in tribal leadership? What traits resonate with an effective tribal leader? Call 1-800-996-2848. Let us know who you think makes a good tribal leader. We're also at 1-800-99-NATIVE. Speaking with us next from Pine Ridge, South Dakota is Kevin Killer. He is the president of the Oglala Sioux Tribe. Kevin, welcome back to Native America Calling. Uh, thanks for having me, and good morning. Kevin, it's great to have you, and, and you've been 
active politically for many years. I met you for the first time up in Seattle, I think it was about 10 years ago, at a meeting at the Gates Foundation. And at the time you were serving in the South Dakota State Legislature. And what struck me most is how young you were. How old were you when you began realizing your political and leadership aspirations? Um, I, I think I, I would have been 10 years ago, uh, 29 or, or no, I'm sorry, 33. <laughs> so I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. my, my, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you've been in the game a long time. And um, what is it that drew you into tribal leadership? Um, I think part of it, you know, and well, first, Hamadakiapi, Makta Ikiwia, Himi, Chante, Washington, Ape, Chuzapi, Well, I shake your hand with a warm and good heart. My Lakota name is Close to Earth. English name is Kevin Killer. Um, and I also want to say good morning to all of our listeners in Kiwi, Kiwi land. Um, you know, it's good, good that you're all on and being able to enjoy this conversation with us all. Um, you know, I think part of it, what drew me to leadership was, um, you know, just, just from a young, younger age, uh, when I first got involved with, um, politics, it was, it was making sure that we're, we're kind of moving forward in a good way and understanding that, that, um, we're, uh, we're, we're, as as young people, we're always kind of representing each other, and 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 so when I first got involved, it was just making sure that people uh, we were just trying to get people to vote, you know, in, in state elections, federal elections, and all that. And um, and a lot of the times, I was usually the youngest person in the room. About when I was in my early twenties, even all the way up into my early thirties, I was still the youngest person in the room. And you know, it became apparent that we needed more more young people to um, just get involved. And the interesting thing is, is now that we're having a a broader conversation, and especially a lot of our tribal communities are getting younger and younger. And like for example, our population on the Ogallala Sioux Tribe, we're uh, half our the median age is 25. So you know, I think. Just as tribal leaders, we need to begin to think about some of the issues that, that are around that, that community and around around that age group and just trying to figure out how do we uh, meet their needs and just understanding that, that uh, you know, as, as elected leaders, uh, we also need younger people who kind of look like us and, and, and understand our issues. And it's something that, that we're always kind of pushing forward on. So, mm -hmm. so that, that's, that's kind of where we're at. Now, when you were getting started there, like you mentioned in your uh, 20s, early 30s, did you ever have challenges with people taking you seriously, just saying, hey, this guy's he's, he's so young, he's too young. Um, you know, we want to hear a voice with a little bit more life experience. Um, I mean, there's always that challenge, but, you know, just, just being younger and being in politics, I always encourage our young people to run for office and, and just to make sure that, you know, their voices are heard. Because, again, with that, you know, that, that gap, you know, we always say talking about uh, the seventh generation or connecting generations or, you know, thinking of the future. I mean, the future is now. And, you know, yesterday I was in a meeting and they were talking about just, you know, the different aspects of being an elder. And one of the things that you really think and put this in a, in a, in a good way is that, you know, our young people are basically el the elders of the technology generation and they're helping teach our elders about technology. 
and and you know even being able to you know think of things like that it, it's really important that we always listen to each other and support each other and, and do it in a good way and and so just being able because i think young people bring a certain experience a certain wisdom a certain truth to um to a lot of these issues and causes and understanding that that um you know they need like we all kind of need to have a voice but we all need to be taken serious too and so, it's, so that's one of the reasons why um i think when we initially met we were talking you know that, that was one of my roles is to help support youth leaders and and all that when uh when we first met in seattle mm-hmm. and kevin you didn't grow up in pine ridge interestingly you grew up in denver and i'm curious to know that off-reservation experience does that impact the way you approach tribal leadership um, I mean, I think it gave me a little bit broader view of being able to work with people and, and all that and being able to understand uh, things from a different perspective. I mean, of course, I missed out on some things, but, you know, I, I lived half my life on the reservation. So, you know, so I, I moved back when I was about early 20s, I'm 43 now. Um, you know, but one of the other things, too, about that is is that, you know, my parents both of them grew up on the reservation and they chose to raise me off the reservation. And I don't, I didn't have any to say over that, you know, but my dad, you know, he was a CPA and he wanted to make sure that he, um, you know, he gave us the best chances possible. He worked hard for those chances too, being a, being a father. And so just to have a role model like that and being able to learn and see and understand, um, you know, who, you know, what is a good Lakota parent? What is a good, good uh you know what coach to mom what is a good 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 uh what is you know what is what is those examples in our community and i and i think that's something that i was really blessed and i had the the honor to be able to do that and be my dad's son you know and i think that was something that that i really value a lot you know and you know i was able to also um you know, go out and just meet other people. And it was really helpful. And I started college off reservation and then I came back and you know, it, was, it was really good. Kevin, we've got a caller on the line now, Jed, listening on WOJB in Lacoudere, Wisconsin. Jed, hello. Hello. Hi, Jed. What's on your mind? Bonjour. Much like close to the earth. It occurs to me what makes a good leader makes a good person, and which is essentially just goodness and kindness. So I want to give thanks to anyone who's ever told a story or made something for someone else or done anything from little to, to big. You know, and in other words, the leadership, the potential is in all of us. So in a good way, with good words, thoughts, and actions. Uh, essentially, we're all leaders, and that's full respect to the councils and the, the positions and chair titles. But I also want to give thanks to the grandparents as well, and the parents, and the friends, and neighbors, and aunties, and community. You know, the littlest thing can mean the most to somebody mm-hmm. at that place and time. And I'm... Uh, I, I can't even express what it means to be on this show with with um, such thoughtful, caring, uh, effective, skillful, and, and good people. I'd say Migwitch. Well, Jed, Migwitch to you, too. Really appreciate those warm words and uh, sharing that wisdom 
and your perspective as well. And let's ask Kevin, I, th I think to sum up what Jed's comment is, is kindness makes a leader and um, uh, a tribal leader needs to have a good heart and a good perspective. What are your thoughts on that, Kevin? Would you agree with that? Yeah, no, I'd agree 100%. Thank you, Jed, for the call and, and, you know, the greeting. And I think it's a good example of, you know, of all the communities that we represent because, you know, we have community members similar uh, to Jed you know, that, that just want the best for you. You know, even that when I uh, go to Pizza Hut, you know, like, like the workers are, Hey, I'm praying for you. You know, I'm, I'm doing this for you. And I'm, you know, I'm making sure that we're, we're, um, we're, um, you know, we're just always kind of taking care of each other, you know? And, and, you know, he does raise a really good issue is that, and that's one of the things that we, again, uh, working in youth leadership spaces, um, you know, everybody's a leader, you know, like sometimes, you know, getting up in the morning, taking care of your family, taking care of your kids, um, you know, taking care of your elders, taking, you know, having the elders share some good thoughts and some good words. Um, you know, those are examples of leadership. And I think you know, that's one of the, the, the best things that I, I really appreciate about being in a tribal leadership position is that, you know, you take those and, and you can use them for, you know, good. You could spread it around. And it is important to, to listen with a good heart. You know, that's one of the things that people um, say is one of my better skills is listening. You know, and I am, you know, I'm just observant by nature and I'm a little bit more quiet, but, um, but at the same time, it, it's an important skill, you know, and it's important to listen from people more experienced than you. And that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a skill, you know, and being able to, um, you know, work with our senior council members and because they have more life experience, um, because I, I tend to be um, one of the younger candidates and I'm still the youngest candidate um, in, in uh, you know, in our, in our tribal race. And, and it's interesting because um, that that's just the way that our nation's going is it's getting younger and younger. So we need to make sure that we uh, prepare our nation to, you know, have these younger people take over, you know, and I think that, and again, learning from elders, being able to listen to, to community members like Jed and, you know, just support them when they give uh, good words of support, you know, also if it's criticism, that's fine. Um, it, you know, as long as there's some truth to it and you know, we're able to have a constructive dialogue, that's going to lead to a productive outcome. That's all you really want. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. and that comes with the territory is, is getting criticized, but at the same time, it, it's, it's, um, you know, being able to learn from it, but also being able to uh, correct it and move forward. Okay. We're talking about, about learning and moving forward. I, I want to ask you, I mean, what are some mistakes that you've made as a leader and, and what did you learn from those missteps? I mean, I think one of the, 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 well, you know, my, 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 uh, you know, I, I, I think one of the biggest things that, that I learned being in this, this office is that, you know, we need to make sure that we're always, uh, when we say stuff, uh, when you say something that, that, that people fully understand what we're talking about, you know, and not to, um, not to leave out details or leave out, you know, things because, you know, it's, it's often those small details that kind of get misconstrued or misinterpreted or, um, or um, becomes misinformation. And I think that's one of the, the things that just learning about how do we do this in a better way, um, that, that's something that, that we could all learn from, you know, and, and just learning from your mistakes. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples off the top of my head. 
Um, I mean, there's there's a lot. So, that question, I feel like, okay, well, yeah, it's kind of like, a, <laughs> but but even you know, being able to like take phone calls, you know, I mean, I think mm-hmm. being able to just be responsive and and when somebody calls you the office and all that, um, you know, just just being there and listening to them and giving them like five to ten minutes a day. I mean, I easily get at least over a hundred texts, emails, and phone calls combined, all you know, every single day. And and so it's just being able to help filter that, listen to the needs of your community, and then also do some of the stuff on the national level. And I think that's that's one of the biggest things is just trying to make sure that we're always just responsive to our community members because um, the best that we can, you know. And I think that's kind of where um, you know in this day and age, people want an immediate response um, because you know they'll post something on social media, and uh, you know they'll get likes. And they'll get things, but you know, people need to understand that that's what social media is designed to do: is to make an instant, you know, almost like you make an instant like or instant uh, instant emotion. And and um, right, you know, that, right. that's one of the things that we need to kind of disseminate a little bit more: is that hey, you know, government really doesn't work like in an instantaneous. It's slow, it's methodical, um, it takes time, but you know, it's here to help all the people you know, almost kind of the same way is that, you know, back in the day, if our elders had Instagram, you know, and all that, I mean, I think they, they would be, um, you know, and our young people had Instagram back in the day, um, but they didn't all protocol, they would have been called out on that, you know, and we don't, we don't, we don't think about it like that. And, and so, um, so it, so it is, you know, it is what it is, but it's a day, it's our day and age and, all that. So, um, but yeah, but I, I'll come up with an example uh, before. The end of the call. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, that question, I, I feel like an HR interviewer or something like that, asking that question, what mistakes have you made and what did you learn kind of thing? But, but that's an interesting point you raised about social media. Now, um, native people have access to their tribal leaders like never before in, in some of these formats. So let's go to the phones again. We have Tom. He's listening on Keeley in Wounded Knee, South Dakota. Tom, thanks for calling in today. What's on your mind? I always keep speaking my Lakota tongue. I'm saying good morning or good day to all of you. I'd like to uh, uh, thank um, our, our tribal president, Mr. Killer. I thank you for what you do here in Wounded Knee. Um, my little brother is Terrence Jade, and my father he was a, a, a vice president, and he was a tribal president, two terms. I always talk to him on a daily basis. He just turned 85, and I, I really, I really, uh, 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 Cherish the administration that's going on with, especially with the help we get from Mr. Killer. Now, nieta kukuki tokata ka lakoya wogakapa hina wopila ichichalo. Whenever you have a tribal circle or a circle circle, uh, it, it'd be nice if some of the uh, Lakota leaders, uh, the council reps, could speak in my tongue. It brings peace, but uh, like I said, my grand, my my father told me this. He said, um, uh, "Today, the tribal council needs to really use our elders. Look at our, our, our you guys are talking about social media. I really love if if our, our people, especially the young ones, would speak or post something with Lakota tongue. It's dying. 
I, I'm, I'm teaching the Lakota language to my children. They have songs. They have prayers that they make into songs. But that's another thing. He says the, the elders need to be heard, and then children need to be um, walked with, walked with, you know, side by side. That's just something that you know, an old man told me, and he he ran this tribe before, and you know he he's he's home now. Tikare, you know, he made his home, and I speak with him on a daily basis, and it's good to have that. Now, Mr. Killer, I know you're you're, you're very young, and Atanyeta, huh? You did good, and I I watched you, and I followed you when he was a state senator. You and um. A good woman, good we are, Miss Tubles. May may God rest her. Uh, I love it that you guys do what you do, but you know sometimes we don't, we shouldn't forget the elders. Now you talk about social media. You know what? That's part of the tribal council now. I've watched so many tribal council on social media. So social media is part of the tribal council. It's part of the sacred circle. So I always tell my kids that don't don't go like what he said. Don't go on likes, huh? You go on okay. what people say in front of you. But anyway, Tom, I'm I'm really sorry. We're gonna have to take a break. I, I apologize. I really appreciate you calling in and and showing respect and commenting on on the elders and the importance of language. We're gonna let President Killer respond to you when we come back from this short break. So we'll be right back. Close to half of American adults have high blood pressure. Of those, about 75% don't have it controlled. Singer, songwriter, and actor Natori Naughton is teaming up with the support of the American Heart Association to raise awareness of high blood pressure. You can join us in the Get Down With Your Blood Pressure Dance Movement. It's inspired by the four simple steps to self-monitoring blood pressure. Get it, slip it, cuff it, check it. Info about the dance at American underscore heart on Instagram. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We're continuing our series on tribal leaders today, and we're asking what inspires you to take on leadership positions for your tribal government or community? Please join a conversation, 1-800-996-2848. Before break, we had Tom calling in from Wounded Knee, South Dakota. And Kevin, uh, we do have a couple of other tribal leaders we wanna chat with today on the show, but if you could briefly respond to, to Tom's comments regarding the importance of listening to elders and language and some of those other cultural elements. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, and again, thank you, Tom, for, you know, calling in and just, just giving a perspective that, um, that, you know, it's always there. And I, I know that we're pressed for time, so I'll be quick. But, you know, I, I think that's one of the ways that, you know, is a, is a good model. And, um, you know, what, what, you know, Mr. Hollerhorn said um, could be sometimes construed as um, being uh, like critiquing, but it's really not. It's just the way that we communicate as Lakotas. And being mindful that you know he is an elder, we and I should listen to him, um, and just making sure that that we are uh, that we are including that aspect, that we are mindful of that that we are, and that is one of the areas that we <laughs> where we messed up on, you know, and we we could learn from, and how do we include that? And one of the things, especially leading in a time of COVID, and it'd be interesting to kind of hear this from the other leadership, but just being you know leading in a time of COVID, it really transform the way governments kind of operate, especially tribal governments, because mm -hmm. we did have Zoom options now, and we did have to close our meetings to the public because of, public, you know, social distancing and all that. And, you know, how do we come back from that? Well, we're still kind of engaging in that and all that, because usually we would have elders at our meetings, we would have the closest speakers there, 
but because of COVID, we weren't able to kind of do that. But it is something that we're working through and working towards is to be more mindful of how do we include the public voice in that perspective. And we still do allow, allow the public to come and speak, but it, it, it's at the discretion of our tribal council members. But okay. again, I do appreciate the call and, and, and uh, thank you for taking that question. Well, President Killer, we appreciate you coming on the show today and, and sharing your knowledge and your experience as well. And we uh, have another Tribal Council individual on our show today, um, former Vice Chairman of the Fort Peck Assiniboine and Sioux Tribes and a current Tribal Council woman. She's joining us from the Fort Peck Reservation in Montana. She is Assiniboine. Pat Ironcloud is on the show today. Uh, she prefers to go by Grandma Pat. Grandma Pat, hello. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Grandma Pat. And just to let our listeners know, we just met a couple of weeks ago up in Rapid City. And when we were planning this show about tribal leaders, you were one of the first people I thought of. I wanted to get you on the show and, and hear your perspective. So tell us, um, what inspires you to serve, Grandma Pat? Uh, the best inspiration that I had was from my grandmother. And my grandfather, he was um, a tribal chairman here, her older brother. And he was tribal chairman for 10 years. I was just a little girl, but I was always in the chambers. I always saw things and heard things. And we spoke in our native language at that time. The younger ones, um, we don't They wanted to protect us from being hurt, you know, and um, having lie put in our mouth. The biggest inspiration that I have of joining there is because all of a sudden, one day out of my 17 children, I had my first child, and Indian Health Service said, um, we'd like to have a tubal ligation for you so you won't have any more children. And at that time, I just was really upset, and I said, no. I said, if that's happening to me as a young mother, it must be happening to other women. So that's what started me looking into this a little deeper, is why are they trying to get rid of our tribal families? Why Why isn't our teoshpaye, why isn't that important anymore? our tribal families? Why are we trying to um, give our children no future? So the future of our children is why I'm here. Our, I speak for the, the young women. I speak for the older ladies. I speak for the men and the young ones that call me. I'm always there. I'm on 24-7. I love being a grandmother. I love being a tribal leader. And one of the most important things for our women is to have a good husband, have a good family, stay in that home, raise your children. And that's what I did. After my children were were older, then I got into tribal politics in 97. And I loved it. I love serving. It's one of the most inspirational things to hear the beautiful stories that were even told today. I'm grateful for that. We need that. We need a listening ear. We need to make sure that we have a voice, that we're not scared to stand up in front of a thousand people and tell what's going on in our tribe. So I travel to a lot of these National Indian Health Boards and National Congress of American Indians, and I speak for my tribe. You know, that's why God gave me this mouth and this tongue so I could speak up for people that don't have a voice. And I I love it, and I really appreciate you um, inviting me here. 
<laughs> well, we really appreciate you too so much. I, I just enjoyed chatting with you so much uh, a couple of weeks ago up in Rapid City. And, and the story you just explained, um, it's just so timely now with so many conversations and so many challenges regarding women's reproductive rights. And um, the fact that you took that opportunity to stand up and lead your people is certainly commendable. So I really appreciate you, Grandma Pat, for calling in today and, and joining today's show. We've got one more guest uh, on the line right now in Wind River, um, Wind River Reservation. We have Jer Chairman Jordan Dresser, and he's the chairman of the Northern Arapaho Tribe of the Wind River Reservation. Jordan, welcome to Native America Calling, and thank you for your patience. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great. And, and earlier we heard uh, President Killer there at Pine Ridge talking about the challenges of being a tribal leader during the pandemic. And you had an interesting initiation as a tribal chairman. You were appointed back in 2020 right during the pandemic. And uh, did the challenges facing your people at that time, did that motivate you to seek office? Yes, it did. You know, I ran right in the middle of the pandemic and it was just jumping headfirst into it. But I saw how our tribe really needed direction in terms of moving away from things such as gaming because during the pandemic gaming which is a big revenue source for us was shut down so in a sense there was an income coming in so i really believe in the power of renewable energy and also i believe in the power of hemp so i went into this idea of thinking okay we need to create initiatives that if something like this happens again you know we can have income and we can have different initiatives going that don't require the different um, manpower in a sense. In a sense, it would be something natural and something that would be growing. Because if you think about it, the casino could be shut down, but that wouldn't stop hemp from growing. So I jumped in headfirst doing that. So you've got some really, really innovative ideas, some aggressive ideas in terms of economic development for your people. And I, I want to ask you now that you've been uh, in the position for almost two years, and, and this is something I always think about, um, Jordan. I mean, what is it that's something no one understands about being a tribal leader until they finally get the job? I think what people don't understand that it's, it's like a wheel that's constantly moving. There's these different spokes. One would be gaming, one would be BIA, one would be healthcare. They're all constantly moving. So in a sense, you have to be the center that holds it all together. And you have to divert your attention to each thing. I think people coming in thinking like, okay, my focus is this and that's what I want to focus on. You realistically can't because these other things are going to take your attention and they require your attention as well. So you can go in with your agenda and thinking you want to do different things. Like for me, it's the hemp, you know. That was the one thing that I really wanted to do, and I'm grateful for it because we we actually completed a hemp code that we're going to submit to the USDA, and we have a hemp commission, so I'm really excited for that. But I have to also focus my attention on the other things as well. Now, we heard Kevin Killer talk about being contacted 100 times a day, email, social media. We've got Chief Mike Williams Sr., who's been a tribal leader for almost 50 years. We heard from, from Grandma Pat Ironcloud up in uh, Montana and, and all the years that she has served. And I always think to myself, you know, the balance that you folks must have to manage between your work and your leadership responsibilities to your community, but you also have family and you have those responsibilities as well. And, and Jordan, how do you balance those competing priorities in your life? Well, for me, you know, at the center of it is the fact that I'm a tribal member first. So I always look at it that these are all my people and they're all my relatives as well. So I feel like my interactions with them are good 
because I'm helping my people. I'm helping who we are. And in terms of my family, you know, my dad was a council member b- before me. So I seen the things that he went through and I saw the sacrifice. So in a sense, you know, you got to communicate with them that this is, this is something that you're going to do, but also taking time for yourself and them is very important. You know, I take part in our ceremonies. I take part in those things as well, because it really centers me and it helps me do a job that is more grounded and complete. Jordan, what about, I mean, you know, before you became, um, became a tribal chairman and before you got involved in tribal leadership, what are your thoughts in terms of the types of jobs or experiences that offer a good training ground for tribal leadership roles? What are those? You know, I, my background was in journalism. I got my start as a reporter and I actually had my bachelor's degree in journalism. And to me, it was in a sense of telling a story and and an important work of a journalist is that you get all sides, all things considered. And that's the number one thing I always say as a chairman, because my job as a chairman, as I run the meetings, I control the flow of everything. And I take into account all the different opinions and thoughts of not only the issue, but also the council members. So that was a great training ground for me because it's able for me to listen to all sides without having an opinion. And at the end, saying, okay, this is where everything's kind of going, this is what we want to do, and this is how we're going to carry it out. So I would say that. Also, um, project project management, you know, I really believe in that because, and knowing the difference between a project and a, and a goal and um, objectives, all those different things, and strategic planning, I think if you could even take a class in that, that'd be great because Time is of the essence, and a lot of times we have terms that are two years, and there's not a whole lot you can get done. But if you have a strategic plan, and this is how we're going to do it, and this is who's going to do it, that will work wonders. How long is your term, Jordan? My term is for two years. So are you you're currently in, in uh, you're campaigning right now then for re-election? Yes, elections are tomorrow. Okay. Wow. Well, appreciate you taking the time then to, to join us. Uh, definitely. Uh, time is of the essence. And so, Jordan, you mentioned your father uh, served in tribal leadership. Did um, he offer you any words of wisdom or advice that helps guide you today? He told me to put the people first. And I truly believe that. And you go second, you know, in a sense, our leaders always go last, whether it be a feast, whether it be a community thing. So leaders always go last because you put your people first. Now, we talked earlier about any type of tribal leadership role, you will face criticism. Um, how, do you, how do you manage that? How do you deal with that emotionally when, you, when you're, you're being criticized and, and you're taking some blows uh, that must weigh on you after a while? What, what, how, do you, how do you manage? You know, I was in journalism where you got criticism on the daily from readers or different people, you know, and I've always just, I have a very thick skin and I'm very able to just kind of brush it off and keep moving. Um, you know, social media is a, a, a breeding ground for people who are misinformed about stuff, you know, and people can create um, algorithms where they see the things that they want to see, which is dangerous. Um, and I just really believe in accountability and I believe in transparency. I believe in telling people when they're wrong about stuff or when what they're saying is completely false, because at the end of the day, we're coming in with our names. And I think we need to teach people that we can have respectful, meaningful conversations with each other and we can disagree, but there's a fine line when you're um, making outright accusations that are wrong and false, you know, and I'm very quick to um, have those discussions because I don't want those things to get spread out. 
Well, Jordan, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, some of this false information, because right now we're, we're living through such turbulent times, right? And we're facing these midterms coming up. You've got an election tomorrow, and there's so much misinformation. There's so much, and people are so skeptical right now. They're so skeptical, and they're, they're disillusioned with governments and, and leadership roles of, of both tribal governments and the federal government and everybody else. And so it just seems like a really challenging time to be a leader and to be involved in politics. And and what's your message so that people um, have more confidence and have more faith in these longstanding political systems that we live within? I think the first thing is that each of us can do something. You don't have to be in a leadership role. It's the way you carry yourself every day. You know, I think that we can help push things to make things better for us, like including global warming to combat that. You can go outside and you could um, recycle you can um, pick up trash outside. You could do those different things. All of us could do something every day. We can be active in our school boards. We can be active in whatever it may be. It doesn't mean you have to be in that position. You can do it with your everyday actions. And it actually, it stems from the core of who we are as Native people. Each of us have cultures and traditions and protocols that speak to that, that are already set way before these um, the systems that we have now work. So if we just go back to those different things and carry ourselves in good ways, I think we could do it. Um, I once read a quote where somebody said, is it the failing of a community that they even need a leader? Is it the failing of a community that um, leadership is a strength, you know? So I think it's hard. So when, how I interpret that is that it's up to us as a community to make things better, and we could do it every day. And I could do it, you know, even if I'm not on the council, I can still do things to make my community better. So any advice to somebody listening right now, contemplating, thinking about a role in tribal leadership, what do you say to them? My advice to somebody who's thinking about tribal leadership right now is to have a tough conversation with yourself and figure out the things that you really want to do, something realistically that you can do in two or four years, like what four goals that you can do, and go from there. Um, map it out, think about it, but also get the community engaged with it, and most of all, believe in yourself. Believe in yourself, set your priorities, your goals. And it's interesting that you mentioned those four goals. It sounds like very much focused on, on things that are, are specific and attainable. So really, really good insights there from Chairman Jordan Dresser. And again, he is chairman up in Wind River, Wind River Reservation, Northern Arapaho Tribe of the Wind River Reservation. Well, folks, that is all the time we have for our discussion today about tribal leadership and what inspires them to serve. I want to thank all of our guests, President Kevin Killer, Chairman Jordan Dresser, Tribal Chief Mike Williams Sr., and Grandma Pat Ironcloud, Councilwoman up there in Fort Peck, Montana. A moving conversation on what inspires them to lead, and we thank them all for their service to their communities. Check out the previous episode of our Tribal Leader Series on our website, NativeAmericaCalling.com, and click on the Special Features tab. We're going to have to wrap up now. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Thank you all for listening. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects authentic American Indian and Alaska Native artists and craftspeople and their art and craftwork. Under the act, it is illegal to market art or craftwork misrepresented as American Indian, Indian, Native American, or Alaska Native made, or as the product of a particular Indian tribe. Reporting potential act violations can be done at doi.gov IACB or at 1-888-ART-FAKE. Support provided by Indian Arts and Crafts Board. 
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.